Have you had your soup today? And the cold, crisp taste of Coke is so satisfying, it keeps me from eating something else that might really add those pounds. Good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to our episode of Sheologians. We are here today, I don't know, <laughs> to put some extra R's in the word girl. Female synonyms into words that they fit into. <laughs> I put riot and riot girl because I'm going to talk to you guys about riot girl. Mm-hmm. But now I'm realizing that without context, it doesn't make any sense. Right. Well, now it makes sense. Well, You'll- just a few minutes, tuned. you'll know what Riot Girl is. Yeah. If you don't already. And actually, today we're just going to get down right to business. Just kidding. That's never going to happen. <laughs> my name is Summer Yeager. I'm here with my beautiful co host, Joy. And the thing I want you all to know about Joy is that I kind of wish she was my interior decorator. <laughs> like, I just feel like. I feel like you're kind of like our designer Nikki mm-hmm. where I give her an idea and then she takes it and like makes it what I would want it to be. Uh-huh. Like if I did it, it would be like a stick figure and paint. <laughs> <laughs> Nikki is like even more polished than me. Super polished. She is. That is the word to best describe yeah. Nikki. Yeah. She is just on it. She's just on and it. And she just is like clean and... Mm-hmm efficient and understands what but you're still saying. like super artistic yeah but i also feel like that's a skill that you have like because i've been in your apartment and uh-huh. i was like your apartment was like oh this is what i was trying to do <laughs> <laughs> but like actually executed you know yeah 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 i spent a lot of time um buying really cheap stuff yes <laughs> to get enough stuff to have like a cozy feeling apartment yeah it's hard it is hard. And you know what? There's also, for all of you Marie What's-Her-Face fans out there, there's also s- some benefit to having no things. <laughs> That's also great. Listen, people want us to talk about that. I'm and... somewhere in between um, yeah. wanting stuff and not wanting any stuff. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't think any of it's going to get me to heaven. <laughs> or not it. having any of it. <laughs> I don't know. The whole minimalism thing. If you want my opinion, I already wrote an article on it forever ago. Okay, it was a year ago. But an internet time that's forever. But hmm. I just think like people, I'm fine with being wise with what you have and not having too much. But I think people take it to like this weird extreme. Yeah. That's like makes me really uncomfortable. It's also heavily associated with um, a lot of like um, mysticism, yeah, yogic like eco, stuff, eco ideas, environmentalism. And it's just. And not to say that stuff, like there's, there's, there's a limit. Yeah. But you just got to be careful that you don't yeah. like look up and you're like, oh, this is my idol. Right. Not having anything. Whoops. I got to a point where I threw everything away. But some people do it because they're like, I'm going to sell everything so that I can save money and like be financially secure and right. pay off my debt. And that's great. I don't know. Like, uh, just don't let it be an idol. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Lawful, but not profitable. Yeah. Sometimes. Mm-hmm. That's it. I that's mean, I it. just moved. So like, I totally am feeling the the throw like, things away the, like why do we have so much stuff <laughs> yeah 
Like, what is this stuff? Right. Um, <laughs> I think, too, someone pointed out Hannah Greaser, I think. I could be wrong about who I'm contributing that to, but just that, like, God is not a minimalist in the way that he designs, and that's just something right. to think about because, like, if you look at the earth and all the creatures and all the colors and, like, there's an abundance, and so there's something to that, and I think there's something to creating a space that you can be hospitable in and oh yeah have people over and that you, know, you could like that, that you your be, parents can move into when they get older that you can that, be giving of and yeah there's something there's some things there to consider so well and it's a it's kind of a cultural thing like we don't yeah. there's obviously a shift because you used to buy a home used to get married and buy a home and then that's where you lived forever until like <laughs> you had to move in with your kids right. or right whatever you know um but we just don't live like that anymore. People's jobs are so mobile. Yeah. People live in apartments. People rent. Yeah. The economy you is just changed. don't. Yeah. It's just, I don't know how we even got here, but. Sorry. I anyway. Did, I did this. And people were asking <laughs> us to comment on the Marie Kondo thing. And I just think if you're thinking your books or your clothes before you throw them oh, away, yeah. you've gone off the rails like so many steps ago that I'm not even going to talk to you about tidying up. <laughs> like, right. you, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I think they were very, I think she's a great marketing tool. <laughs> she's very, she seems very sweet yes. and has like a thing. Right. She has like a, a process, you know? Right. So anyway, um, you're right. I am Joy, <laughs> Joy. And I'm here with my beautiful co-host. And the thing you guys should know about Summer is that she's 30. Today. I mean, that was kind of a given, but Today. I just had to go for it. It's my birthday. Yeah. It's my 30th birthday. I guess technically when they're hearing this, mm-hmm. it'll be like a few days after your birthday. Yeah, because it's Friday. Yeah. And we won't release this until Monday, mm-hmm. but... Pretty close. I always thought in my immaturity that I would hate turning 30. Yeah. And I think I I repent of that mindset because... No, I don't think I have repented of that mindset. And I think that um, women need to stop being so uppity about not telling people how old they are out of like shame. Mm -hmm. I don't think you should feel shame that God has given you however many years of life. Right. Like what is so bad? It usually means you know more. Right. Usually. Hopefully it means you are smarter and wiser and more capable than right. you used to be and hopefully it's just it's like what's the point in celebrating a birthday if you're like just to celebrate yourself like you should be thankful that you've had this many years and that God granted you I mean he gave me 30 years I didn't deserve right I could have died 15 years ago you know what I, yeah. like, you know what I mean like so I am not bummed out at all I'm not embarrassed that I'm 30 and I'm not bummed out about it. And I'm sorry, my um, daughter is sending me text messages. <laughs> um, I'm not embarrassed. I'm not bummed out. I'm happy that the Lord gave me this much time. And I hope that my, uh, my dad keeps, continue. My dad keeps reminding me um, that I'm now entering my fourth decade of life. Because I just finished three, oh, uh-huh. my third decade. Yep. So I'm entering my fourth decade of life. Well, that's certainly... Uh, Isn't that a great way to spin it, Dad? Well, it's great if you're okay with turning 30. <laughs> right. For the person that's really having a hard time. Right. Not that you should be having a hard time. Right. But 
entering the fourth decade is probably uh, the most terrifying way you could put it. Yeah, that's exactly the way the <laughs> Which route makes sense. he would take it. Yep. Mm-hmm. So here I am. I'm 30. It's official. You are. I'm an adult. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. I'll be 30 in a few months. We're pretty yeah. close in age yeah. to each other and... I don't know. Ladies. If you looked at my life the past year, you'd think maybe I was like trying to get a lot of stuff done before I turned 30. <laughs> that is no joke. <laughs> is... Like, look, I just got to get this done in my 20s. <laughs> I love the spin you put on that. That's actually perfect. Yeah. I just think, and we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about this more, but I really yeah. do think that we have to stop idolizing youth to the point that we like disparage the time God has given us. Like scripture talks about like growing old as like a blessing. Yeah. And so if you're ashamed of that, you're not viewing it in line with scripture because scripture calls it a blessing. So I just think that's something to think about. And that's something I'm thinking about today. (laughs) (laughs) Good. Yeah. So here we are. We are, hopefully going to finish out over the next two weeks our remix of our feminism series today we're going to talk about the third wave of feminism which might be a little bit tricky but knowing joy and i will still find plenty to talk about um as we already have yeah we've already proven that in this episode so hopefully you don't have any um concerns about us being able to deliver on the promise we just made (laughs) that we're going to talk to you for a little bit um we have gotten so many i have just been super blessed by the the voicemails and emails and messages and feedback you guys are giving um particularly about this series that we're doing and so i hope that we can continue to be helpful and i hope that you'll for sure listen to today's episode and tune in next week um because we are wrapping up the series and uh, obviously when we talk about the fourth wave of feminism, we'll be talking about what's happening now. Yep. Um, And I hope that we can also kind of encourage you towards, uh, I don't know, thinking positively about femininity, femininity in a way that rejects feminism. So that's where we're at. Um, And the third wave, I was kind of nervous to try to talk about because one of the distinct features of the third wave is that it's kind of hard to define. Yeah. (laughs) So you have like the first wave, which was, it did specific things. They're very specific historical things that happened in the first wave of feminism that you can talk about. Then you have very specific historical things that happened in the second wave. A lot of changes happened and were fought for in the first and second waves. Right. Whereas now you're getting into a wave where, uh, the so the leaders of third wave feminism grew up in a feminist world. Mm-hmm. Like they grew up with all this stuff, with all these rights, with... So it's just, in, right. it's different. Right. Post the, it's post the sexual revolution. Right. Um, so it is, it is, it's different and it's hard to talk about. Um, but the person who, and I'm sure you are going to get to this too, but Mm -hmm. the, um, the person who kind of coined the term 
third wave. Uh, her name was Rebecca Walker. Rebecca Walker. Why can't I talk today? <clears throat> and, I'm also having a hard time. Yeah. Um, she, in 1992, wrote an article for Miss Magazine, which is MS period mm-hmm. magazine. Um, wrote an article called Becoming the Third Wave. And really, the this was happening around the time that the whole thing with Clarence Thomas and Anita Hill happened. And I do think it's really interesting. Because she wrote that article in response right. to what happened. Right. And um, we'll talk to you about that because there's some interesting things there and parallels there to oh, yeah. things that we just went through as a nation. Um, but she wrote, I write this as a plea to all women, especially women of my generation. Let Thomas's confirmation serve to remind you as it did me, that the fight is far from over. Now, and I'm going to finish the quote, but it's important to know if you don't, because some of us, I mean, I was three when this was written. You were three when this was written. We were young. Um, Basically, Anita Hill was a woman who worked with Clarence Thomas, and she accused him of sexually assaulting her and sexually harassing her Mm -hmm. when he was nominated for the Supreme Court. Yeah. And so he had overseen her yes. um, over the course of her career as an attorney. Yes. And um, yeah, once he was up for the, once he was being nominated, she came forward and Accused made him. this claim. Yes. Um, it is a lot like the Ford and Kavanaugh situation. Mm-hmm. Um, essentially, the, the pro-choice people were afraid that Thomas would help overturn Roe versus Wade. And all of a sudden, these allegations come out of the woodwork someone who'd worked with thomas for a long time um the fbi looked into it and the fbi concluded that her accusations were unfounded um and it was a media circus and we all just lived through this and this was not the first time this happened no um so anyway uh back to rebecca walker and miss magazine let thomas's confirmation serve to remind you as it did me that the fight is far from over. Let this dismissal of a woman's experience move you to anger. Turn that outrage into political power. Do not vote for them unless they work for us. Do not have sex with them. Do not break bread with them. Do not nurture them if they don't prioritize our freedom to control our bodies and our lives. I am not a post-feminist. I am the third wave. Right. So she was the first one to use that um, phrase. And I do just... um, Really quick, if you listen to this with younger kids, there are some things, topics, particularly that we're probably going to hit on um, that <clears throat> I would be fine letting my 13 or 14 year old listen to with me. But if you have younger kids, none um, of it's like inappropriate in its context. Right. Um, but there might be some stuff that you might not want to explain yet. <laughs> right. Or talk to a younger child with. Right. Um, so I just, if that is you, then I would say pause this and listen to it later. <laughs> um, so anyway, uh, I just think that we need to, be mindful that this this call, um, this naming of the third wave was a call to be moved to anger. And that anger was supposed to be towards men who do not, uh, I guess at the time, did not um, agree with the FBI that these accusations were unfounded. Right. Um, 
And I think that some of the hallmarks of the third wave are really found in that sentiment. It was a lot of angst. It was a lot of anger. Yeah. It was a lot of um, kind of a, a of a, a activism and a pronounced hatred for anything feminism. Yeah. Or feminine, sorry. Mm -hmm. Anything feminine. Yeah, um, there was a lot of rejection of um, like your typical, what they would, you know, perceive as like a... A gender stereotype which is that women tend to be more gentle and more polite um and they had like more social graces that was more of an expectation right um but so you see in the third wave a lot of people um especially like the riot girl subculture trying to reclaim words like slut or the b word or right um and you just start to see um w one of the and i'm not trying to uh I'm not even really trying to make this um, sound less important, but um, oh my gosh, my brain, <laughs> my brain is gone. Well, let me pause. And, um, well, do you want me to tell them what riot girl culture is? Yeah. Okay. Do that. So I had this thing <clears throat> in my brain and it was just gone. You're going to find it. Okay. So the riot, Joy just referenced the riot girl culture and that is an actual thing. And they spelled it G-R-R-R-L. Like they purposely yeah. misspelled girl because so they thought. sounded like a girl. <laughs> <laughs> right. And that was a way to supposedly reclaim their girlness. Right. Um, well, and so that, okay, I remember my thought now because one of the points, um, I'm having such a hard time stringing thoughts together right now, you guys. And there's a train, there's going, a train by. going by. <laughs> yes. It's just weird today. Okay. So um, a lot of what the third wave was sort of. Um, peering into this is where we started to look at like the systemic issues of inequality right. right so like at this point in the third wave we believe that we're in a society that feminism has had its hands in so we have votes uh we have the ability to vote um and then we have a lot of there's been a lot of quality legislation passed about being paid and equal opportunity and things like that but um what they are focused on now is the the like implicit bias yes in terms of what a woman is yes. um and how the society that we created has created this deep down um instinct that we can't shake in terms of our attitudes towards women right um and so uh so the idea was in every way and even though like i don't want it i don't just want to be like well, um, so feminists just decided to be as filthy as they possibly could be. Um, they did do that. Right. But it was actually really smart right. <laughs> for them to try to do that. It was a huge mechanism and people bought into it. They're right. still buying into it. It's yes. like the way, it's one of the number one ways that feminists would consider fighting that bias that exists right. that, that none of us are even totally aware of isn't it so convenient to create a problem that you insist other people have that they aren't even aware of like isn't right. that a, a smart thing to do it's like oh well you know you just you don't even you've internalized it so oh but much. i don't have that problem oh but you do uh, oh you have to have but it no i don't have it but you do the the number one sign that you have it is that you think you don't have right. it i mean yep. it's just like are you joking yeah. me people buy into this all the time i see christians spouting this off everywhere and right. it's the most ridiculous 
Anyway. Well, and you already mentioned Rebecca Walker. Um, yeah. But she, I mean, she had a huge voice in the third wave. Obviously, yes. she basically coined the term. Right. But for her, um, she was the daughter of Alice Walker, who was very influential. Color purple uh, Alice Walker? Yeah. No. No. Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, Sorry I threw you off. That was But she, dumb. uh, no, wait. Is she Alice My Walker's? brain. What's wrong with my... I know that I... Yes. Oh. That Alice Walker. That, okay. I was that like, Alice I Walker. know that that's well, that Alice, Alice Walker. Yeah, Alice Walker okay. is a very common name, but... Anyway. Okay. Um, It just threw me off. I don't know what's going on. Sorry. My head, guys. Um, <laughs> Pray for Joy's head. I know. It's like fog in there right now. <laughs> anyway. um, Sorry. I'm also not totally selling the information that I'm giving to you right now. Um, I'm like my I didn't brain. Know. No, I'm glad you pointed that out because I didn't realize. I didn't know that she Rebecca is Walker the daughter, daughter of Alice Walker who okay. wrote the color purple. Excellent. Um, okay, so uh, basically, all I was going to say about Alice Walker is that she was influential um, in the second wave of feminism. Yes. Of course, very obviously uh, very involved in uh, race equality as right. well. Right. Um, and so Rebecca Walker, um, she had a lot of her um, interest in feminism and like coining the term the third wave was that she's she was kind of what I was talking about before being being a daughter and being a a girl in a post feminist society right um, which obviously she rejected but a lot of people at the time thought like oh feminism is over we like we don't need it we anymore. won we have jobs and we can kill our babies right everything's great right so Rebecca Walker specifically wanted to look at that and be like, is it done? Can we do it? Can we do be, be doing things better? Right. Um, and a, for her and for a lot of people in the third wave, um, there was this uh, sort of idea that, yes, a lot had been done, but um, not every woman's experience is the same. Right. Because um, while the second wave of feminism largely represented um, upper class white females. Right. Uh, and I should also say straight white females. Right. Um, that there wasn't really any representation in the second wave. Right. For um, lesbians. Right. For women of different ethnicities. Right. Whatever they may well, be. And it was in 1989 that Kimberly Crent Crenshaw yeah. is credited with coining the idea of intersectionality within feminism. Right. And this is right around the same time. Basically like experiences overlapping based off of your social identities. Right. Right. So your social identity is based off of your gender. Right. Your sexuality. Right. Your economic status. Yes. Um, and so you start to see, um, I would I, a part of me like a part of me wants to say just because of firsthand experience that intersectionality is more associated with the fourth wave right but obviously you can see there's the roots were growing i mean the it started growing back in the 60s right honestly when you had the radical lesbians upset with the feminists about gender and these different intersections right. of identity um and so the intersection, the intersectional conversation really s did start in the third wave. I don't think it what it fully took root 
right away, but it did start growing over time to the point now where I think most of us don't even blink when someone insists that we think of our our lives through various ways that we might have been oppressed. I mean, I think I told the story last time of, you know, it was it was 2007 when I was, you know, sitting in a a a college counselor's office and and talking about what kind of classes I should take. And um, he was a black man and he was looking at the classes I had listed that I wanted to take. And he was like, well, you know, can you think of some ways that you might identify with um, maybe a victim group that you would like to study? And I had never heard like that kind of question before. And he said, I said, "Uh, no. And he, he was like looking at me like, think, think really hard. Like he wanted me to think about like what what people group I might identify with. Right. And I honestly had no idea what he was, what he was talking me. about. And so finally he was like, well, women, you're a woman. You should take some women's studies classes. And I was like, no, How thank you. How stereotypical <laughs> of you. But Patriarchy. That was, he, was li- he literally wanted me to think about like a oppressed group that I could like identify with, a victim class I could identify with, um, an identity group that he wanted yeah. me to identify with and study because then I would be essentially studying myself. Isn't that so interesting? But anyway, um, so going back to the riot girl thing, I think it's important. Sorry, I'm like making us like bounce no, all you're over fine. the place. It's, there's so much information to cover. You guys just got to keep up. Yep. So there was a whole subculture, you know, the nineties were really owned by like the grunge rock scene, like the Pearl jams and the Nirvana's and stuff like that. And so women who really wanted to be the third wave and to keep feminism alive formed a whole subculture of this horrible, (laughs) this horrible music. Um, And it's all called like, it's under the label of Riot Girl, girl spelled with just R's, Mm -hmm. no I, because that's... Like a growl. Yeah. Girl. Um, And I I do want to tell you, I was perusing some some titles of songs that mm-hmm. would uh, be a part of the riot girl culture. And some of the titles really stood out to me. Um, two of my favorites were I'm not bitter. I just want to kill you and shit list. Sorry to say that to you. Yeah. Um, but this is a picture of, where feminism really was at the time. Yeah. The songs were incredibly accusatory and angry, single-minded hatred. They were, they were all, I mean the, these bands that belonged under this subculture were obviously all female. Yes. I was going to say predominantly female, if not all female. (laughs) Right. Um, And the songs address things like the patriarchy, Mm -hmm. rape, Mm-hmm. sexual assault mm-hmm. you name it that's where they're at um and they're not they don't uh temper <laughs> no their opinions no <laughs> or feelings about it whatsoever no. no and this was also a big time for something called consciousness raising mm-hmm. um you know supporting things like the fights in darfur and what's going on in cambodia and just look at what angelina jolie was up to she was very heavily influenced by quote consciousness raising Mm -hmm. and it was just this idea it was it was exactly what Rebecca Walker called for which was take your anger like be angry 
and then take this anger and turn it into political power. And right. that is all that is what this time period was about. For Do you want to also, uh, speaking of what this time period was about, you want to hear something else Rebecca Walker once said? Yes. Judgments like right or wrong only build barriers and encourage shame within individuals. <laughs> That's like Acacia Cortez saying like you can be, you know, factually right and wait, morally right and factually wrong. <laughs> yeah. It's like what? Yeah. Wait, what just happened? Yeah. yeah. You could be wrong, but if you feel like you're right, then, it's then okay. you are. <laughs> right. Um, and so that's what obviously I hope when I say that quote, you can draw some sort of parallel from then to now. <laughs> right. Because that's basically how we like people live their lives now. Right. And so the the interesting thing is that um, and what you don't want to you don't want to forget about is that feminism, even though it's hard to pin down right now, is still an ideology. Right. It is still a group of people attempting to achieve something. Right. So even though it's sort of devolved into this, like, well, whatever your experiences, um, you should, you should, em you need to embrace that. You need to fight to make sure that um, you're getting rid of the bias that exists towards you, right. um, or at least make people aware of it. Right. Um, that's all very heavily based off of personal experience, which was also a huge part of the third wave. Right. Was a lot of women, their proof for this implicit bias that they, that they described, which mm -hmm. in case I didn't, we didn't really explain what implicit bias is, but it's basically just like, it's basically just all the thing because of our, it, it basically just means a bias that exists. It's like when, like, it's like because of the fab the, the past fabric of our society was woven right. together a certain way. Right. It's found like in in the threads. Right. It's like deeply ingrained to right. the point where it is a part of the world mm -hmm. and we created it to be that way. Right. It's the insistence that you are biased in an unconscious manner. Right. And so the Christian Number one, we are never called to um, assume other people's intentions. Um, we are called to be discriminatory. We are called to draw lines and boundaries. We are called to separate ourselves. Um, Especially from our own experience. Right. We know that um, our hearts can lead us astray. Right. Um, and the idea of third wave feminism is to trust your experience, to shout right. to your experience. Right. And and hold fast that your experience is who you are. Right. And that's why you must protect it. Right. And if somebody threatens that, be angry and fight it. Right. And I think as Christians, we it would be fine to say that we should be analyzing our own hearts and trying to... Um, determine if we are being partial in a sinful way. So the sin of partiality um, is we know that it's a sin, uh, but we also know that we're not supposed to show partiality to the rich or the poor. Um, and kind of a lot of times what you see with the world, when they rightly call out a sinful partiality, their solution is wrong. Because it's like, well, you're showing partiality over here. Let's move that partiality over here. 
So you're showing partiality. Let's just say we'll stick with rich and poor because it's easy. Yeah. You show partiality to the rich. The correct how to correct that is to begin showing partiality to the poor. No, that's not the answer. Right. We're not supposed to show partiality. Right. To anybody. Yeah. We're supposed to treat everybody with respect right. and dignity. Um, and that's not that's not the answer. Um, as Christians, we should be willing to to analyze our own hearts for ways that we might unconsciously be uh, unfairly partial to someone or something. The problem with implicit bias, as the feminists put it forward, is that you're already guilty just by breathing. And mm -hmm. they insist that this is a, a universal thing, that every everyone is guilty. <laughs> you can, And you cannot be proven innocent unless you toe the line of their specific standard, right. which oftentimes their solution is sinful and therefore we have to completely separate ourselves from any feminist idea or secular yeah. idea of implicit of implicit bias right off the bat. Right. Agreed. So that's Good. that's here that. here. <laughs> <laughs> um what else do we want to talk about in the third wave? I just think um one other topic that I'll I'll hit on very very briefly um because I'm going to talk more in next week's episode because a lot of what is going on in the third wave is still affecting us today and I think there's a lot of solutions for it um, that I want to give before we wrap the series up but um, I think it's interesting that you you really kind of started to see a war over pornography in the second wave mm -hmm. so you kind of had two groups um, of feminists who said well no all pornography is bad because it it's objectifying the female body and then you had another group who was very pro-pornography because they wanted women to be free. To be able to do whatever men could do. Right. And so this was really intensified in the third wave. And um, I did not spend a lot of time reading about it or studying it because as Christians, we know that all pornography is bad. Right. I just think the only really interesting point to take from that kind of in-house fight over pornography is that when you cut God the Father, when you cut God out of the picture, um, you are left with zero moral compass whatsoever to the point right. where even if you have um, the same ideology and you think you're fighting for the same things, you're going to see it in different ways. And I just think it's so interesting that these people who are supposedly fighting for the same thing could end up with such different... like desires here mm -hmm. and ultimately when you try to free any kind of any sexuality from what it was designed by a creator for you just end up with a huge mess and i think women are really damaged by it right um well because when when women were allowed to be sexually free i know you can't see me but i'm doing air big air quotes <laughs> there um it changed everything about the healthy yeah. sexual ethic yeah. that the Bible has given us. That's right. It changed everything. Yeah. It changed, um, it freed, air quotes, air quotes. again, <laughs> men from being fathers, right. from marrying women and taking care of them. Right. Um, so what you did was you basically, by gaining your freedom, you basically um, freed men right. from their obligation air quotes again, I guess, <laughs> to you, <laughs> you, you, you 
disregarded the notion that two people who are make a covenant with one another should be the people that are engaging in sex. Mm -hmm. So you completely twisted the sexual ethic of our country. You did it because you don't think it's natural and God given. You think that it's a social construct, but you took that, you twisted it completely. And then what you saw was that it was completely twisted and you see, you start doing things like highlighting rape culture. And it's Mm -hmm. like, you said, you said there are no rules to sexuality, right? There are no rules, right? And there, I'm not saying that what feminists wanted was women to be assaulted. Right. That's not what I'm saying. No. But the thing is, is when you try and when you pull something off of its natural order, and yeah. you try to change it. Yeah. It's not just going to be like, oh, and then women got to sleep around and do whatever they wanted. And nothing bad happened. It ch- because it's not socially constructed. Right. There are things that there are things that men are inclined towards and there are things that women are inclined towards. And when you (sighs) when you there are sinful inclinations, too. Right. Like you want to talk about abdicating leadership. Right. It's a struggle for dudes. Imagine you had to lead a family. Right. That's hard. It's scary. Right. Um, And troubling. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and you know what happened? What ended up happening was in the 60s women when they decided that they wanted to be you know they wanted to be treated equally as men um what happened on college campuses was in in female dorm rooms women had a curfew right and it was frequently much earlier than the men yeah well what what happened then was okay the universities were like okay we have to treat them the same we'll remove the curfew well all of a sudden women were getting (laughs) into trouble um, because they were inviting men over late at night, right. things were happening. What do you think happens right. when young people are alone late right. at night? Um, and so then the women were crying about that and saying, okay, well now we need campus police and we need campus this. Right. And it's like, well, no, you invited the men in right. because you wanted to be treated equally. It's all, It's a denial of a anthropology that accounts for the fact that men are sinful and i don't mean men the gender i mean humanity is sinful Well, and it doesn't count for for the the natural leanings they would call them gender constructs Mm -hmm. but the differences between men and women Mm -hmm. there are differences that exist there right right and when you decide that you are um, going to toss caution to the wind and have a bunch of you know 18, 19, 20, 20, 21 year old boy, men and women alone late at night. Yes. Sexual assaults happened. And I'm not blaming uh, anyone other than the perpetrator for that. But the fact is, is that you're a fool (laughs) um, for wanting these protections removed and then insisting that had to go another way. Right. Um, But again, it's just, it's a denial of who we are and who who what humanity is we're sinful right um we well ha- it's like the third wave firmly firmly believes well in all the waves uh but specifically i'm going to say the third and fourth believes that you can social justice the sin out of people right you can uh thought police people into if you can just get people to think the right way, right, then they won't. Then all so- be societal sinful. ills will go away. Right. <laughs> That's not the answer. Yeah, and um, yeah. So we are going to talk about 
that more next week. It is extremely applicable to what we have going on in our society. Um, but as for the third wave, you know, I really don't know what else to touch on because these were the big things that happened, but most people will agree that really what ties the third way together, together is that it's hard to tie together. Right. <laughs> um, I think that feminism had done so many things. Um, and I was reading this one book that put it this way, for anyone born after the early 1960s, the presence of feminism in our lives is taken for granted. For our generation, feminism is like fluoride. We scarcely notice that we have it. It's yeah. simply in the water. Right. I thought that was such an interesting quote um, because it's true. I don't know what it's like to live without it, but at this point um, in history, really, I thought the interesting thing was that it was the, uh, the Supreme Court nomination that kind of kicked all that off. And I think we see that right. happening again. Well, yeah, it's what made it's what made women think like, what is it? If if being a woman is a part of my identity, mm-hmm. like, what is it that makes a woman? Mm-hmm. And do we just represent like, does feminism is feminism over because we did A, B, and C, or is it still not over because we still have failed to represent right. groups, women who are different races, women who are uh, have different sexualities, um, and so it was like this. There was a moment where people could have let it be mm-hmm. and kind of fizzle. Yeah. Um, but of course, the ideology of feminism can't have that. No. <laughs> and so next week, I want to talk to you guys more about what's happening now. We're going to hit on the Me Too movement. Um, and I really want to talk about the importance of being consistent. Because uh, when we're having this discussion, I know that we have listeners who are not in the United States. Um, and the way that we look at feminism is really different from the way that they look at feminism. Right. And so I want to talk about that. Um, and yeah, then, I think that's why, like we've specifically tried to keep this American feminism right. just because we I live in it and we yeah. know it. And, and but it doesn't it definitely doesn't. Um, yeah, it doesn't. There's not like a global, this isn't our presentation on global, global feminism, feminism by right. any means. Right. Um, but yeah. So, um, Hey, you guys have been leaving awesome voicemails. If you want to leave us a voicemail, if you have any questions you would like us to answer, um, I don't know, snide remarks, whatever. Uh, if you haven't left an iTunes review, do it there first. And then you can give us a call at 470-465-0475. And um, we are looking forward to wrapping this series up. As much as I love talking about feminism, I'm ready to move on. So hopefully next week I can... Well, I'm interested. Bec- I'm like excited to do the the fourth wave. Me too. Because it will have actually changed a lot. Mm-hmm. Like for the f- first three, mm-hmm. the history has stayed the right. same. Right. But in the fourth, like our episode will legitimately have changed because more things happened in right. the fourth wave. Right. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it too. So anyways, you guys, um, that is it for this week. And we will see you next week. Yeah. bed and I stumble to the kitchen pour myself a cup of ambition and yawn and stretch and try to come to life jump in the shower and the blood starts pumping out on the streets the traffic starts jumping with folks like me